This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 9th, episode 2515, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. We are going to have our horse nutrition podcast health report with Dr. Jones, and she's going to try to help us figure out which leg or horse is lame on. Sometimes there's more than one. We'll ask her about that too. Also, we're going to meet the people in charge of the amazing products at Equiderma, Bethany and Tim, and hear how they kind of came to be. And, um, you know, we're all just surviving the apocalypse. So I'm going to bring you some weird news just to entertain you. There's it's actually good news for one town I'll tell you all about it. It'll be great. All right. Sounds good. A couple things before we get started with our daily winnies is I, I had a number of our listeners and auditors reach out mm. to us yesterday from the West Coast, and I noticed a bunch posting this morning. Oh, the fires are unbelievable out there. Um, there's hundreds of them. And, uh, you know, we had several of our listeners reach out yesterday that had to evacuate with the horses. One, it came up so quick that they were told to get out, didn't even have time to take their horses, but they managed to get back later in the day and get the horses out. So we've been following all of this yesterday. Uh, this morning, a bunch of our auditors and listeners have posted that they're getting ready to evacuate in an evacuation zones. And we have so many listeners up in California, but also in Oregon and Washington state and the fires up there are getting really bad. Uh, so, you know, our, our prayers are with all of you. Uh, we're thinking about you guys. If there's anything that we can do to help, you know, using the, the listeners here at the horse radio network, reach out to us and we'll do what we can, but, uh, stay safe out there. You know, three years ago today, we were at Charlotte's house because Hurricane Irma was going to hit. So we evacuated our horses out three years ago today. And I remember that very clearly because remember how we couldn't get gas anywhere? Gas was completely gone in Florida. Gosh, so, I forgot about that. So we had to get gas. We waited two hours in line for gas so we could run the horses back and forth. And uh, we I saw a picture on my timeline today of us with uh, Charlotte and her mom over there at their place. So we were getting ready and Irma hit on the 10th. Uh, so yeah, that was, that's a memory still fresh in all of our minds here in Florida. And then 9-11 is on Friday. Um, we did a special years back on 9-11 that I play every year and I'll put that out on the feed here for horses in the morning. Uh, but that's also on Friday. Um, just so many things popping up today. I thought August sucked, but I think it's September that sucks. 
this year, I think the last six months are pretty much. <laughs> I think I think twenty twenty <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah, the whole year sucks. Uh, <sighs> something fun though that we saw uh, our landlord noticed this and said, "Go look at Google. Go look at Google Maps and do the satellite view." And I don't know if you've done that lately, but you go look at your house in the satellite view of Google Maps, and when you zoom in. Uh, they must have just taken a new satellite view of our house because in our arena behind the house, you see Jennifer riding her horse, driving Nigel and ponying Scooter. So, and she said, I can even see Scooter's getting a treat right there because he must have not done something. Pro- Scooter only gets treats when he doesn't do something bad. Uh, so, Wait, but it was. Jennifer's giving him treats? Oh my God, busted. <laughs> but Google you can Earth see the two of them there. Her. Isn't that cool that you could see them? Uh, and it must have been fairly recent because our new horse trailer was in the picture and it was definitely the new horse trailer. So. So go look up at your farm on on uh, Google Ooh, Satellite. This is before me. Oh, <laughs> I forgot is. how horrible this place looked. <laughs> Wait, there wasn't even a house, right? It was just land, right? Um, there was oh, the three house. structures. Yeah, there that. was that tiny home, the tiny nightmare I call it. Um, a metal shed and a metal like equipment shed and metal running shed. So there's three it buildings. Like neglected think- Oklahoma. I forgot how terrible the <laughs> fencing was. Oh my god, we've done so much work. I'm exhausted. You need to write to Google and ask them to update your. Uh, Can you please video. come back over? Because we've really made some changes. <laughs> yeah, it looks much nicer now. But I just thought it was cool that we could actually see see Jennifer riding. It's so cool. That's awesome. All right. Uh, let's. Oh, by the way, I do for some reason have a cold today. I don't know if it's allergies, real bad, or a cold or whatever. So I apologize for sniffling and snuffling all the way through the show. Okay, I was going to play immediately go into the birthday song, which is gone. Hold on. Here we go. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. (laughs) Well, happy birthday to Auditor Alex Hamilton, who posted a very nice promotion for our show this morning uh, on her Facebook page. Thank you to Alex. Lori Johnstone, uh, also her birthday. Happy birthday to Lori. And our own uh, Jemmy Lagonier. It's her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Jemmy. And Karen Chatton, of course, who was on yesterday for the Endurance episode. It's her birthday tomorrow as well. So happy birthday to all of them. I'm going to give my Daily Winnie appropriately using that sound effect to Kurt. That's right. Kurt has made it into this world. Kurt is a newborn Shavalsky's horse, a rare and endangered horse native. Glenn, how did you say Shavalsky? Przewalski. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, it's an endangered horse and he has since successfully been cloned using genetic material that has been preserved for over 40 years. Here's what's cool about his birth. Uh, not that they said the article says it's exciting because not only is he very cute, his genetic vers- diversity could help save the species. Apparently because there's only like 2000 of them. Now, uh, the last scene Last one seen in the wild. I can't talk today. Sorry. The last one seen in the wild was 1969. So they're working really hard to keep the Shavalsky breed alive, but there's only 2000. So there's no genetic diversity. A little inbreeding there. Yeah. Kurt, let me tell you something, man. 
You're going to have a good life, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Your job is to spread your seed throughout the ladies around the land. So congratulations. They said uh, he is a really fractious and just a little bit, uh, you know, wild. So they're, they're super happy with him. He's successful. He's healthy. He's doing great. And, uh, he's got a a surrogate mother that, uh, he lives with. They live at the San Diego zoo. This, yeah, and this was a collaboration between the San Diego Zoo and the people at Viagen, who we've had on the show. Uh, years ago, we had the people from Viagen on the show and, and talking about cloning and things. And so he was born in Texas at their facility. And I don't know, I, I assume they didn't charge the zoo for this. It's normally like $100,000 to do this. Uh, but good for them. And uh, he's going to have a job. He'll have a jo- He will not be neutered. He will not. Don't geld that. (laughs) No, they're not going to do that. That's going to be something they're going to put off. Spay, neuter, and geld. Almost everything. (laughs) I want to hear about some of the horses that you have in training. We haven't done that lately. But first, I wanted to tell everybody that that I wondered how much the Kentucky Derby was going to be down money-wise, being that there were no fans. There's usually, what, 150,000 people. And I went looking it up, and apparently they were their handle, the amount being bet on the race, was down 49%. My gosh. Almost 50%. And, you know, they have said that the handle at all tracks across the country has been up. People have been betting more at home, but apparently because so many people descend on the Kentucky Derby and they all bet a lot while they're there because they're all drunk, uh, they didn't have that. Uh, I tried to look for how much they lost on sales of mint juleps and alcohol because that's probably (sighs) even bigger than the wagering. Um, (laughs) I couldn't find that information, but can you imagine how much they lost on alcohol sales alone on 150,000 people hanging out for an entire day? The whole world is suffering right now with this whole nonsense. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I didn't bet this year and I'll tell you why I didn't bet because it was just weird. It's September and I'm watching the Kentucky Derby. I wasn't in my usual like springtime, you know, download the app that I'm going to have to delete tomorrow. So Chad doesn't see it. Um, and then do my (laughs) betting and stuff. I, I just, I didn't do it this year. And it was almost like, oh yeah, the Derby's on. Turn it on. You know, we yeah, got turned on about 20 minutes before true. race. That is true. That's what we did, too. It was like, oh, it's Derby Day. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it, and there wasn't even as much excitement about the Triple Crown because it wasn't in the right order. It just didn't seem right. Like all of 2020, it just didn't seem right. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, so down 50%. That's a large number. You know, they said, of course, in the press release, they said they were happy with it and we're happy with it and we're happy with it. But I don't think. They- Please don't fire me. We're happy with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's somebody trying to save their job. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on with the horses? Do you have a new ones or what's the story? Yeah, well, if you remember on Monday, I talked to, you know, as you do, talked to Monty Roberts about a horse that I had in training. And it was a horse that is a horse still here. Um, that was a bit of a bully. And I, I, you know, it's a horse that was the, these people got when it was six months old and they've raised it at their house and now he's three and they've decided to send him to a trainer to to start something done here. 
Yeah. So, and, and he, he's loved on by this teenage girl. He hasn't seen many other humans. He only has been raised around the like older horses that they have. And so he came here and I'm sure it was a heck of a shock kind of like being loaded, you know, from probably the first time and being brought out here. Uh, so he unloaded and, and the first morning I went to get him before the show, before we had Monty on, they told me sometimes, and thank God they told me, because nobody ever tells me all the bad things about their horses. They were like, sometimes if he doesn't want to do something, you put the halter on, you pull him forward, and he'll rear. Well, that was an understatement. At least they told me, though, because I put the halter on him, and he's like, no, I'm not going with you. Not going to happen. First, it took me forever to even get the halter on him, Caught, brought him in. He must have reared 15. 40 times. I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm not say 50, 40 times to go by basically 25 feet. Just every, every time I pulled the halter, he would rear and strike and just really, really Jeez. naughty. And then after we talked to Monty, I went to catch him again and I couldn't catch him. It took me two tries and over an hour and he was in my arena. Okay. It turned out in the arena, which is by the road. I put them by the road so they can see the cars and all this. He, I couldn't catch him. I was like, what the heck am I going to do now? So Chad is like shaking a bucket of grain and I'm like got a halter right over the nose part of the grain. And I finally like catch him real quick, you know, with that and, um, bring him in. I'm like, Oh God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I take him, uh, I, I somehow get the dually halter switched on him as opposed you know, put the other halter around his neck, get the dually halter on and I get him out to the round pin. Cause that's what Monty said. Here's a dually. <clears throat> yeah. Dually halter, you know, join up. Like he needs to just learn. Explain the dually halter for people that have. Okay. The, you guys, if you don't own one of these, you have to, it is just the most amazing piece of equipment ever. So it's a, it's a regular halter and there's a, a, a nylon piece that's underneath the regular nose band and it has a ring on both sides and it comes through. Google dually halter. If you don't, if I'm having a hard time explaining it. Uh, so you clip onto the ring and when you pull forward, it puts pressure on the nose. And when they come forward, the pressure is released. You know, when you put a chain through a horse's halter over their nose, when you pull on the chain, it, it puts pressure on the nose, but then the horse comes forward and the pressure doesn't release. It's still just a tight chain around their nose until you release it yourself. Well, this, this, uh, it's, it's instant learning. Um, and there's a ring on both sides. You can even ride them in this halter. It works by putting pressure on when they come forward, they come off of it, the pressure's released. <clears throat> and then when you, you can use it to back them up and they back up and the pressure's released when they back up. So it's a very instantaneous training piece of equipment. It does not hurt. It becomes uncomfortable with the tightening around their nose, but there's no pain involved. And so horses learn really quickly. When you add pain to training, they shut down, you know, they become, they want to fight. Well, this one, there's no pain, but it's an instant correction. Anyway, so I put the dually halter on them. I get him out to the arena, to the round pen. I put him in and I like actually just like let him go in there for a little bit. I was like, Oh God. Cause he would be, he became a little bit aggressive with me a couple of times. Cause he really didn't want to be caught. And he would in the stall, turn his butt to me, you know, and uh, turn like he was going to kick me, but he never tried to kick, but he was threatening. So I'd chase him around, you know, like send him to me, got him in the romp and I did a join up with him, which is for those who are unfamiliar with join ups, you are, you're basically becoming the herd leader 
and you're making them move their feet and you're sending them out around the round pen. And a horse's flight distance, like if a herd of horses sees something and they run away, they run about a quarter to three eighths of a mile. Well, in the round pen, we use a 50 foot round pen and you use that flight distance and you send them, you know, about five times in each direction is a quarter to three eighths of a mile. And so you send them around. And then the last time that they're making their way around the third time, because you start them out going clockwise and then you ask them to go counterclockwise. So they see both things with both eyes. And then you send them back around to the initial direction and you ask them, you're not asking them. They start to ask you, can I please come in? Cause clearly you are the one I want to be near. I don't want to be out here alone. I don't want to be out here f- with my flight. You know, I want to be near you. So the horses start to communicate in a way that, that they show four signs when they're ready to come in and join up with you. And it's by that inside ear will lock on you. The outside ear is paying attention to the rest of the world. The inside ear locks on you. They lick and chew they lower their head and they come off of the rail a little bit, be it a couple steps or they really circle small around you. And those are four signs that really let you know that they're ready. I mean, I let them break down to a walk when, when I'm doing that third lap, the third direction, the back to the original direction, you let them walk and they really start to communicate. And then when they get to the point where you're ready, not by the gate, but, uh, you ask them to, you just kind of like turn your shoulders and you become, when you're sending them away, your eyes on eyes, shoulders square, go away, go away. And then when you ask if you want them to come in, you turn your shoulders and drop your eye and they go, Oh my God, please. I really love you. I want to be with you. And he joined up like, Oh my God, thank God you're my best friend. I cannot believe the difference in this horse. I can now just walk up and just from doing that. So that was yes, uh, yesterday morning. And then after that, I took him back in, did the join up and this horse who has never had a, a surcingle, I never had a girth around his belly, never done anything. I was able to, on the second time, one join up and then join up again, I was able to get a surcingle on him. I was able to get the long lines on him and I long lined him around. It wasn't pretty. I mean, it's his first time he reared up a couple of times. He was a little bit fractious, you know, like he was all those things. But what's the amazing part is that after that long lining and after that drama and the rearing and the, I don't want to do it. Don't make me. Cause he's basically what Monty and I decided is just a big spoiled baby. And he's actually like 13 too. So it makes him even scarier because they're, he is I so don't know strong. anything about that. <laughs> he, well, he's, he's a quarter horse too. And he's like a, maybe almost a 14 hand quarter horse. And he is a tank yeah. and he has never had anybody tell him no. And he's never had any boundaries whatsoever. And so he really fought the boundaries. But then once I got him back into the middle and I untacked him, that horse followed me around like I was his best friend. So it was really, really exciting. I mean, I was, I was a little bit nervous because I'm like, please don't attack me. I was like, is this horse cast? I called the owners. I'm like, when was this horse castrated? Are you sure you got it all? (laughs) Hey, this is not normal behavior for a little gelding. And, uh, yeah, he was castrated at a reputable clinic up the road and, and, uh, it was just him being 
a little bit of a jerk. And after that, he is a different horse. So I'm really thrilled wow. with that and how far he's going to come. Um, because yeah, like I, I don't do stallions here and I don't do aggressive and I'll tell you why, because it's just me. <laughs> I, I don't have a the housing and facility for, for his, uh, stallions. Ask miles, the Andalusian I castrated the day he got here and I don't have, I can't do aggressive because it, I don't have the facility for that and I don't have the help for that. So I was a little bit nervous with him being super aggressive towards me. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was totally fine. Once he, once he was told that he is not in charge, that he is not the, the leader of the herd. I am. And I'm just blown away by how he has switched. It's like all that stuff works. Glenn. I was just going to say, it's like, it all works. It's like but all this know, stuff you've been studying for five years works. Yeah. It's weird, <laughs> but I get so many horses that, you know, I mean, I, I re have restarted a bunch of horses or started a bunch of horses, but most of them are restarts from the track. Well, and, and most so, of them have had some kind of human contact and, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, this horse isn't feral per se, but he's just really spoiled. So I'm sure we'll have some more challenges. I don't know anything about spoiled ponies. I nothing. <laughs> I know. I know. It's weird. <laughs> so I'm really thrilled with that. And then I've got another uh, mare here from Horse and Hound. So um, the, the other horse that I had last week, I took him back on Saturday and there was somebody waiting for him to adopt him. Well, because they had heard I was bringing him back to Horse and Hound, and they met me with their trailer. Huh. So I'm super thrilled for Uncle Pancho was adopted uh, on Saturday. So I just brought him a new mare, and um, we'll we'll see what happens with her. Cool. I you know uh, I I want to get to something else here quick, but uh, I'll ask you later on. I want to hear how your your brand new horse is doing uh, since his. We'll get, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit. Later. Oh, I can give you that real quick. Yeah, he's still detoxing from testosterone. <laughs> He's as, as soon as he, I have two mares here and they're not in the pasture with him, obviously, because he, he shoots live ones for uh, 30 days after castration. But after, um, cast after castration takes about six months and I mean, I, I can lead him around and groom him on all that stuff, but I'm not doing much with him. I'm just, because if a gelding walks by me, if a mare walks by, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, we're not done yet. <laughs> So we'll, well, there you yeah, go. The perfect. quick report. <laughs> quick report. He's still learning how to not be a jerk. <laughs> hey, I wanted to do a quick crappy list Wednesday. I saw this on Heels Down uh, magazine, and it's it's the seven reasons why equestrians would survive the apocalypse. And looking at this as a horse husband, it oh, it's so true. All of these things. So I who wrote this? Uh, I don't know who wrote it over on Heels Down, but uh, oh. Justine did, our own Justine, who hosts Heels Down Happy Hour. It had her kind of writing in it. Uh, she, uh, she said, we can MacGyver just about anything. So this is, uh, again, uh, why equestrians would survive the apocalypse. Yes, Baylor Twine duct tape, you're good to go. You, we, you know, you can fix anything with Baylor Twine, Baylor Twine and duct tape. Explain who MacGyver is to the young people God, listening who show, don't what, understand show, what MacGyver, MacGyver is. was on. It was a show about a guy who could who could pretty much get us out of any situation by using a paper clip and duct tape and was, the lint in his pocket and the lint I in mean, his pocket. And he was ridiculous. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was just so ridiculous it became a meme before memes were a thing that you could MacGyver anything. What is that? The seventies, maybe MacGyver. 
Eighties, eighties, eighties. Yeah, I mean, it was a ridiculous show, really, because he got out of the situations that he was put in by just about having nothing. And it, was, it was, but anyway, that's what uh, that's what that means. And uh, yes, horse people are good at that. I love number two. We're kind of bossy. <laughs> no, horse people are bossy. No, I didn't notice that from social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can survive a long time without a shower. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That is so true. How do you shower every day? Um. Yes. Yeah. I At this it. point, it's so sweaty. I'm just yeah, sweaty. I have yeah. to shower it's twice like a, a day. Thousand degrees here. We shower twice a day too. Now I wouldn't shower every day if I, you know, when I go to horse shows and I would camp in my trailer. I don't need a shower. Whatever. Like. The greasier my hair gets, the better it stays up under my helmet. <laughs> you know? And Chad's not alone usually. So there you go. Usually not. Yeah. I think the I might, yeah, get a divorce if he's like, oh God. Because I will come in from the barn and he'll be like, whoo, dang girl. I like this one. Blood and guts is a normal thing when you're a horse owner. That's true when it comes to the horses or, or animals. But I've seen a lot of horse people that are really grossed out when it's human blood. They oh, can't God. handle human blood. Anything human or anything with a cat, I'm out. But <laughs> you horses can't do or cats dogs, either? No. Oh, God. <laughs> you were a vet tech. I know. That's how I know I can't do cats. <laughs> they were like, we would like for you to hold her during her spay. This is the first cat I ever helped spay. They, they, you know, opened her up to to do the thing. And she had what's called a pyometria, I think. And it was an infected uterus. <laughs> I still remember that forever. And I was like, and I passed out in my first ever spay of a cat. And I was like, and I'm done. <laughs> you know what's funny is I'm pretty good with uh, with human stuff. It's it's when the horses get especially pussy things. I can't do pussy things. Yeah, this was a pussy cat yeah. uterus. So <laughs> that's fun. You're and, welcome if you're having breakfast right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know Sorry. how to pick out supplies that will last. That is true. Most horse people are really good at being economical and thrifty. They're really good at that. And you will do it at Goodwill. I bet you if I did a poll today on our auditor page, how many of people buy a majority of their clothes at Goodwill, it would be 70%. I literally have only bought jeans at Goodwill my entire life because why would I not buy jeans at Goodwill? Why would I go buy new jeans and wear them at the barn? Uh, well, that's what the theory is. Horse, horse women are going, I wear them to the barn, they get trashed. Oh, I might as well buy. Uh, Jennifer, she, you know, our Goodwill is very tight and there's a lot of people. So she hasn't been to Goodwill since COVID started. And it's killing her because she used to go there like once every two weeks to the Goodwill. We have a huge Get goodwill. some clothes. <laughs> uh, we actually know how to ride and care for horses. So, uh, you know, the theory is in the apocalypse that if you can keep your horse from being eaten, uh, you have a tr you have transportation when all the gas is gone. So there you go. I mean, you can get away. And we're already a gang. <laughs> Horse girls st stick together. That is true, too. And Unless it, they're competing against each other. <laughs> and then, in the, you know, if you're in certain parts of the horse world, they're well-armed. A lot of them are well-armed. So you're going to be okay there. Yeah, I don't have guns, but I like having friends that have guns. Well, you know how to <laughs> shoot a bow and arrow, though. You're good at that. 
You know what I realized? I've been trying to teach Lucas how to shoot. I can't shoot on the ground. I can only shoot from an elevated that's stature. What, that's what Tammy Serrant's won 150 medals in mounted shooting. She cannot shoot from the ground. She Are said, you "I have to." No, she can't. She said, "I can't shoot at all from the ground. I have to be moving." I yeah, think it's weird. You either have one gene or the other. You have the moving gene. Yeah, 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 and they need to be up high too. You want to have friends that are mounted shooters, by the way. If you're if the apocalypse comes, you want to make friends with the mounted shooters because one, they're heavily armed, and two, they know how to shoot. So yeah, there you go. don't make friends with me. I have to be really close to my target. <laughs> yes, true. Do you still have your bow and arrow? Have you used it since? Yeah, I want to teach Zeus how to do it. Oh, so I'm go. getting him back fit, and I, I really, I mean, there's nowhere to like do it, but it's really fun. So, not, uh, bow archery on horses is. Super we have fun. one of the coolest archery, horseback archery ranges around here in Ocala, is where a bunch of people are trained. The like head guy in horse archery lives in Ocala, and he built this unbelievable track that has all of the targets, and it's all landscape. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's really we pass it when we go to the Walmart. Uh, it is really cool. So there's why horse people are going to survive the apocalypse when the city people are all going to be dead. <laughs> I love it. That's why that happens. Hey, I was just over on State Line Tack, and they're having a big sale right now. Uh, I noticed that the 30% is still there. I don't know how they do that. But anyway, uh, they have a big sale right now on uh, summer stuff. Trying to get rid of the summer stuff to bring in the fall stuff. Because believe it or not, it snowed a lot in Colorado yesterday. Some parts of Colorado got a lot of snow. They went from 101 degrees two days ago to snowstorm yesterday. So, I mean, inches. One of our listeners posted they had six inches of snow. So, uh, right now, State Line has to get rid of the summer stuff. They have sheets in there. They have fly sheets in there marked down uh, 33%. The fly sheets are 53%, the Shire's fly sheets. Uh, they have bell boots in there marked down 25%. They have fly uh, fly boots marked down 44%. You know, you want to stock up for next year. Although you said you're still having flies. You said your flies are ridiculous. As of this morning, it, it dropped. It, now we have rain and 50 degree temperatures and it was, you know, well, 100 a couple days ago. Our mosquitoes are unbelievable right now. You can't go outside without spraying yourself with every toxic chemical you can find. We're in the horse fly world right now. Oh, God, they're size of baseballs. Anyway, <laughs> that's why the fly sheets are still pretty helpful to have around this time of year. Uh, they have uh, miniature sheets right now for minis on sale for 32%. Uh, stirrups, just all kinds of stuff. They have the composite stirrups for $27, the little blue insets. And the they're the really light ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. All right, so go check it out right now. That's just one of... You know, like four sales going on right now at State Line Tech, but it's the headliner Shire So Long Summer Sale. You'll find it right there. And they're also doing their 10 uh, days of equine learning. Uh, that's their uh, State Line Tech uh, summer camp. You can find it right there. It's very cool. It has a whole bunch of different lessons for kids and different things you can do with kids. So that's an educational thing over at statelinetech.com as well. Well, today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast at the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you will love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. A part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all. The latest episode is all about vaulting horses. You can also find it on the Horse Radio Network app or any 
app where podcasts are found. Just search for Horse Nutrition Podcast. It's award-winning. It won the Best Podcast Award last year. All right, let's go to um, our guest, Dr. Jones, who is from Florida Equine Veterinary Services. Dr. Jones from Florida Equine Veterinary Services, thank you for joining us this morning. You're welcome. I'm happy to be aboard again. I am so happy that you're like uh, becoming a regular part of our show again. It makes me, it just, I love when I, oh, I open up the computer and I see your name on, on our list for the day. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Thank you very much. Well, I, one of the questions that we were going to talk to you about today is um, one that I think all of us at some point, <laughs> probably a hundred times have said, okay, hold on. Which leg is my horse lame on? Which one? I think I have one right here, Dr. Jones, now that is lame on all four, <laughs> but we'll, we don't need to worry about that. We'll just get to the, which leg is my horse lame on? What do you, how do you, how do you, when you are assessing a horse for lameness, well, how do you start looking at it? Well, first we look at them standing still and we look for obvious swellings, which most people should do. Anyway, every day, walk around the horse when they bring them in from the pasture because they can get into anything. And uh, so that's the easiest thing As we start with that. Obvious swellings, um, obvious heat by putting our hands on them. That's a big thing. Granted, a dark horse standing in the sun is going to be hot on its legs. Try to do it in a cool, shaded area. Uh, you can even hose the legs off and see if you feel heat because really bad heat, they'll see. You know, it'll still come through after hosing. But that's the uh, first place we start as a veterinarian. And then the second place we start is movement. So each gait has so many steps it takes. A walk is a four-beat, four-step gait. A trot is a two-beat gait. And a canter is a three-beat gait. So I get the comment all the time that says, oh, my horse isn't too lame. I just saw him running around the pasture. He must be getting better. When they run in the three-beat gait, they can actually kind of cheat. And the, the leg they hurt on, they don't have to touch it down very much. And the other three legs can do the work. So the trot is the gait that us veterinarians use to evaluate a horse. And it's a two-beat gait, and they really can't cheat. Opposite diagonals move at the same time. So as you're seeing a horse trot towards you, you remember you're riding them, you're sitting on their back, you say right, left, right, left with their right front leg, not the right that you're looking at, <laughs> the right that's their right front leg. So it's an easy two-beat gait to say and see to yourself as you see them trotting along or trotting away from you right, left, right, left. And when you do that, you're going to see them either skip or hop off of a leg. And if they're skipping or hopping off of a particular leg, as I'm looking at the front legs, right, left, right, left, and it's the right one, they're barely touching down and they're kind of hopping off of it, then they have a pain in the right front leg because they don't want to land on it very, you know, firm, very gently is all they're trying to do is very touch down and get, get off of it very quickly. So that's how we all start. We can get to more specifics. Uh, about that. I'm sure you have more questions as I keep going. Uh, I, I, you know what, what I love about you is I just, I just pull the string on the back of the toy and I just let it go. <laughs> okay. Well then I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I keep going other... because this is great because so, so at this point we've now looked at the horse standing still, we've walked around it, looked for swelling, look for heat, look for any lacerations or anything like that. And now at yes. this point we are watching the horse come towards us. How much does you talked about skipping? I feel like a lot of times you can tell a lot about the, how they're skipping by where their head is being positioned when they're moving in the gate. Right. So that's, a, that's the old phrase or the phrase that you've probably heard about, you know, heard phrases saying that they bob their head when they're hurting on a leg. So 
So as they're coming to you, it's really the most obvious. Let's take an abscess, for instance. That's a very obvious lameness. And the horse sometimes almost looks like as if they broke the leg, and they're, they can't hardly even put the foot down. They're towing it and hopping off it. Those are the obvious lamenesses that almost any horse person, even a new one to the horse world, can, can say, oh, my goodness, they won't put any weight on that right front leg, and I don't know what's wrong. I think it's broken. Well, there's no heat or swelling in the entire limb, so most likely it's in the hoof, and it's most likely an abscess because that's the most common unless they did do something to their coffin bone, which is not that common. But anyway, uh, so as they're trotting towards you, you can also see them using their head to get off of that front limb. So, okay, so let's do a little physics here. We've got a few minutes. You're sitting on a teeter-totter, seesaw, one of the two, whatever you want to call them, and the center of the teeter-totter, and you and Glenn are on either end, teeter-tottering it, the center is where your saddle is. And you can pick whomever you want to pick to be the tail and the head. <laughs> I'll let the two of you work that out. I'm the head, he's the tail. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And so, <laughs> yeah, I did too. As, <laughs> and as you're teetering, the head goes up and the tail will go down. And then the head will go down and the tail will go up. So the idea is, is the center of gravity of a horse is where the saddle hits. If the front end hurts, are they going to put a whole bunch of weight on that front end? On that teeter-totter? No, that end's going to go high up in the air to help lift those front legs off the painful one. So their head's going to go up pretty high to keep from putting so much weight on that front leg. Now the teeter-totter tail, not going to say who that is, would go really high up if the back end hurt. So that makes the teeter-totter head go downward. Am I making any sense here so far? Yes, yes. There's a phrase that I think sometimes can be incorrectly taken, and I know it's meant in good measure, is down on the sound, meaning the head goes down on the sound leg and up on the lame leg. So in a two-beat gait, right, left, right, left, right, left, as they're trotting, the head's going up on the left leg and, in this person's term, down on the right front leg and up on the left leg and down on the right front leg. That's not necessarily meaning that that right front leg is sound. If the head is going higher than it normally should, it means it's lame on the left front leg. Did I make sense on that one? Yes. So uh, now th this would be down on the sound. What I like to think of is for a front leg lameness. Right. Correct. But if you look at a horse trot, so every time you go to a show, Watch all the horses go. They all hold their head at a particular level that's comfortable for them. Some are about mid-chest. Some are higher than mid-chest. Some are a little lower than mid-chest. But they're about mid-chest. And that's their norm. Once they hurt, they're going to go either higher on that plane or lower on that plane. Higher means front end. Lower means back end. Does that make sense? Wait a second. Say that again. i got to follow along. <laughs> So you're on your teeter-totter, think the okay. teeter-totter, and they have a level. So the two of you have leveled out on your teeter-totter. Nobody's higher or lower. So everybody's level. That's how the horse trots. Level, 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 level. Okay. When the front end hurt, hurts, that teeter-totter will go up higher on that one leg that hurts on the okay. two gate. And then it will come back down to level. It won't go all the way down when the other leg hits. It just comes back down to normal. But if when it's the a back end hurts, okay. that head will go below level when that back leg hits. 
because they're trying to get off the back end. So their head is going farther forward and downward to get the weight off the rear end. Interesting. Oh, I didn't ever think about that. Um, as far as they'll overload the front legs to get off of the hind legs. Which goes to your comment that we first started that said, I think all four horse, all four legs of my horse is lame. Well, there's a possibility. Maybe three of the four are because there's might have been some compensation going on before it got significant enough for you to start to look at. So as we're taught in school, one leg is lame and you work on it. And this is how you work up the lame leg because we all have to be taught a certain way of nerve blocks and, and flexion tests and things like that. But in general, if a, a quadruped has been lame on one leg for quite some time, and I mean over weeks, another leg is going to be compensating for that. It could be the opposite forelimb. It could be a hind limb. But there's possibly another leg that's starting to get sore. I like to think of it like this, Dr. Jones. Okay, if my... if, if like save for an abscess, if there's a, a weight bearing lameness means that it hurts when the horse puts its foot on the ground and goes to put weight on it. I like to think of that. Like I try to explain it to people as put a, a thumbtack in the bottom of your shoe and yeah. see how you walk with that. And you're going to oh, wow. barely step and then drop into the other one. Okay. Right. Now talk a little bit about whether it, when it's a knee or carpus injury, you know, if it's that you're not going to want to bend it. So you're going to lift that a little higher and fall into the opposite one. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll see that in the hind end too, with a hock um, flexion is they won't want to lift the hock up. So they'll lift up via their hip and then their back muscles or gluteal muscles get sore because they can't flex that hock. They're kind of using the rump to move that hind leg forward rather than their hock joint. So, okay. So that's why to move that leg forward. So so how many times I've got a couple questions here. So you talk about that, that overcompensation of the horse's haunches and back muscles because they don't want to flex their hocks. So they lift their back up a little bit more. Um, how many times, do people say my horse's back is sore and I need you to inject the back or do something with the back? And it turns out it's the hocks. Um, I wouldn't say all the time. There's a lot of times where the back is sore and we'll start. I usually start lower on the limbs blocking as you go up. If you block out the hocks, the horse moves more comfortably with still a little slight soreness from being sore in the back. So I don't necessarily inject the backs. I'll inject the hocks and tell them to give a little time off. Or we might do muscle relaxers if the back is that sore or a little bit of butte or equiox, something for an anti-inflammatory to kind of help the back out a little bit because it had been overcompensating for quite some time. How many times do people call you and tell you, my horse's shoulder is lame, he's hurting in his shoulder, and you get out there and it's the foot? All the time. Almost 100%. (laughs) That it's, one's an easy one. So if we get the call, we have a shoulder lameness, it's um, almost always the foot. 80% of lamenesses are in the feet. You can't see any heat or swelling on the limbs. It's probably in the foot. Now, granted, there are some areas up in the big muscle mass of the gluteals and stuff where you couldn't see the swelling. But unless it was a traumatic incident, it's most likely in the foot if they're that ouchy. Like you said, an abscess where you step on a tack and you're hopping off of it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think is very, very helpful for horse owners to do and learn is how to get a digital pulse. And they can ask their vets to show them any time of the day. The vets are out there doing a vaccine, an exam, whatever it is. 
how to check for a pulse in the foot. If you go to the hospital, nurses are checking for pulses in your ankle to make sure that you've got good blood flow in your legs. When you get a really bad headache, not a migraine necessarily, just a bad, bad headache, you can feel a pulse at your temple. It's just pounding. Same thing for a horse. When their foot really hurts, they're going to get a pounding pulse in their ankle when their foot hurts really bad with like an abscess or a bruise or, God forbid, a fracture. It's going to be a pounding, pounding pulse. A tear of the tendons down there is not going to give you a pounding pulse. And sometimes bone edema, which is uh, our early terms now for navicular bone edema, may not get a pulse either. But something that's pretty significant in the foot, like an abscess or a bruise, you'll get a pulse down in the foot. And why is it, why is that? Is it because they're trying to push a lot of blood to the area that hurts? It's like your head. Why why do you get the pulse at your temple when you have the bad headache? It's that I don't excess, know. <laughs> yeah, the, the blood flow has reorganized its way of going around to fix whatever the problem is, and it gives you that more constricted pulsing aspect right at your temple, same with their foot. It's, it's trying to feed, take care of whatever's down there. It's reorganizing the blood flow to wherever it needs to go, and it becomes a heavier pulse. Fascinating. You can well, your pulse in the feet, but not as strong as when you have problems. Laminitis is another one. People will get upset. They think, you know, both front feet are tender. Oh, I think my horse is foundered. You'll have a pounding pulse in that foot if you have laminitis. Huh. Interesting. Well, Dr. Jones, this is, as always, you just explained everything so well and so perfectly. Where can people go to find out where they can find you or ask you questions or, or learn more? Oh, we always take questions. It's at floridaequine.com and you can go in and fill in the box with your questions, whatever they are, and we'll go ahead and answer them back. Why am Happy I always, why am I always the horse's ass is my question. Why do I always get <laughs> I that didn't, I, I didn't put you there, Glenn. I, I opened it up. I left you know, it open. I started thinking if Glenn and I were on a teeter totter together, I would be up all the time. You would be. She's a lot I'm bigger fitness. than me. <laughs> I'm like six one. She's like five two. There would be no teetering. There would be a lot of tottering. It would be nothing. <laughs> I was this whole time. I you knew were I was going to about... get some humor this morning. I knew it. <laughs> the whole time you were talking about, it, I was like, I wouldn't be going down. I'd be up in the sky. <laughs> me too, so Jamie. You'd have Jamie's. a friend and lameness all the time. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> that's right. You'd be lame all the time. Doctor Jones, Florida Equine is a great website. You guys can go check it out. There's a lot of client forms and things you can. Can learn from their website, floridaequine.com. Dr. Aaron Denny Jones, please uh, come back again soon. Thank you, Dr. I'd Jones. Love to. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Right, bye. bye. I couldn't get my mic on, off a of mute fast enough to deal with that situation when you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I stole it. I'm <laughs> this South segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast and the Horse Radio Network. Now in the third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year include training Hollywood movie horses, therapy horses helping veterans, and an inside look at traditional charro horsemanship. It's all part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. Are you ready? Let's do it. Well, I have some amazing news for you. Please, if you are, I mean, what else do you have to do in this pandemic culture besides participate in the pandemic 
Panda Pregnancy Watch. That's right. Mi Zhang, I think I'm saying that right, probably not, is a 22-year-old matriarch of the Smithsonian's National Zoo Panda Program. She is pregnant. Now, this story is a week old. I hope I didn't miss it. Uh, And it could give birth any day, zoo officials say. And there are a couple cameras, so you can watch Mi Zhang during her pregnancy. Now, here's the thing. It's not like she lays down and has birth like a puppy or something, like I, like a dog. I they're like super tiny and like I don't really they like. Fall I didn't, out. I kind of was like <laughs> trying to research how they actually give birth, and apparently they just start licking a lot. I didn't want to, and I quit reading after that because birthing <laughs> things is disgusting. But if you want to watch Mi Zhang's Panda Cub, it's at the National Zoo in Washington, and they have a if you just Google pandemic panda pregnancy watch you can probably find it's a national zoo website so you can go to there and and see that so congratulations to uh mi zhang and her impending delivery oh sorry come on one job one job anna sent us this story it's from the bbc and it's uh, she just chief uh, remember if you guys see weird news please send it to me it gives me uh, a little less work to do excuse me because she found this one and just thought this has to be a part of weird news again the bbc.com is reporting that there is a man and um he's in his 80s and he sat down at the table to have dinner and there's a fly buzzing around him as we all have seen before. Um, so, and you know, what's funny is I just bought one of these for Lucas so he could go out and have some fun. It's an electric fly swatter. It looks like a tennis racket and you push the button down and I touch the outside at the inside layer. So you kind of have to whack them pretty good, which sucks because you can't whack the countertop or otherwise you break it. So it's like, you have to be like a tennis pro and whack this thing out of the sky. Well, this man bless his heart decides he's going to whack this fly with his electric fly swatter and started targeting it. But unfortunately there was a gas leak in his home. And so the reaction between Oops. the device, uh, <laughs> the electric fly swatter and the gas caused an explosion, d- destroying his kitchen and blowing off part of the roof in his home in France. And um, according to local media, the unnamed man had a lucky escape, sustaining just a burn to the hand. However, the fate of the fly was not known. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, it also goes on to tell you. Oh, sorry. See, I was too quick that time. One job, Glenn. <laughs> All right. The man has since checked into a local campsite while his family repairs the house. Get <laughs> I read okay. a story the other day about a camper that was actually driving down the road and it blew up, had a gas leak, <laughs> and it went boom. <laughs> that would scare the crap out of you as you're hauling your camper down the road. Uh-huh. Okay, this... This might be the best news and weird news we've ever had. Okay. Do you know what the lint chocolates are? Yeah, Lindor I can't chocolate. stand lint chocolates. I hate those things. Oh, well, then this is not good news for you. <laughs> it's good news for all of us that actually like good things. Um, uh, lint residents- chocolates are awful. That's they're because awful. they're not Hershey's chocolate full of corn syrup that America. I grew like. up, and it's the only candy that should be sold in America. <laughs> what Hershey's, Hershey's corn syrup yes, chocolate? <laughs> My friend who lives in Wales, she's like, I, I, I love chocolate. I can't, 
I can't eat American chocolate. It's so disgusting. Oh, <laughs> so it's the only chocolate other than we're gonna go to residents of a Swiss town. Got a shock um, that when it started snowing. It started snowing in the summer in a Swiss town. This was two Fridays ago. And um, the residents walked outside. They're like, oh, it's snowing. Oh, wow. Wait, that's not snow. That's chocolate. <laughs> it started snowing particles of chocolate after the ventilation system in the Lint chocolate factory malfunctioned. And so apparently there was a defect in the ventilation and it shot out cocoa nibs in its factory in Olten between Zurich and Basel. The nibs were fragments of crushed cocoa beans, which are the basis of chocolate and real chocolate, not Glenn's type of chocolate. They and use apparently, cocoa beans and Hershey's chocolate. I've taken listen, the tour. Yeah, that and here's our vat of corn syrup. So it, you would have died if it was an American chocolate. It would have been like corn syrup rivers running down the road. However, in this part of the world, combined with strong winds on Friday morning, the powder spread around the vicinity of the factory, leaking a fine cocoa dusting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's rain and chocolate. So were people out licking the streets? Is that I right? I mean, they would. The Lint Company has said that they would be happy to pay for any cleaning that is needed. However, they have yet to be taken up on the offer. I'm pretty sure humans just cleaned it up themselves. But uh, there you go. That's your happy weird news story of the day. So if anybody buys me chocolates, do not get me Lint. I just won't even eat them. I just if anybody buys some chocolate, just make sure that the first ingredient is corn syrup. Plastic. And he'll love it. Plastic. Plastic. Tastes like plastic. (laughs) God. It's awful. There's something wrong with you. (laughs) That's it. That was your last story that you're done now. Three, I'm out. Okay, good. The Uh, disrespect that I get every time (laughs) I deliver these fantastic news stories to you. It's amazing. So tomorrow is uh, Mary Kitzmiller Day. Mary and Jennifer will be here doing some training. And then on Friday, we'll have really bad ads. Get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, we need some ads. So definitely take a look at Craigslist and Facebook and get your ads in. Uh, we would. I had the opportunity yesterday to uh, do a video with Wendy Murdoch, who is one of our sponsors, actually, over in the Dressage Show. And she's been doing videos on, on her page and that was kind of fun got to hang out with her for an hour so that that was that was kind of neat and i did want to mention to the auditors we have a post show today but we are going to be doing a wtf show that's a show we do exclusively for auditors it's hosted by myself helena b and also a trained therapist by the name of mickey one of our auditors and we're going to be doing a show and we deal not with training issues we deal with life issues in that show and it is not safe for work or for home or anywhere or really children children uh, but we have a lot of fun and it will be tonight at seven thirty in the auditor room on facebook live and then we'll also put it out on the auditor podcast feed so that's the wtf show tonight at 7 30 well one we did a survey recently of our auditors and got a lot of responses and one of the things we heard from them was that they liked hearing about our sponsors and how they got started and kind of the the founding of uh the companies and things like that of products that they use and uh, every day. So we thought one of our terrific sponsors is Equiderma that we would have uh, Bethany, who is the founder and her son, who is vice president of the company on to talk about it. And she posts 
a lot of pictures of Tim. I think she's trying, I don't know, she's trying to pimp him out or something because uh, there's a lot of pictures being posted of Tim. Now, he's a good-looking guy, so I need to find out why that's happening. That's one of the things I'm going to question her about, and I'm sure she's thrilled. I did warn him that we do not prepare questions in advance, so be prepared for anything. So I did warn him about that. Well, I do have Bethany and Tim on the line now from Equiderma. Hi, guys. Hey, good hey, morning. morning. How are you? Good. So, uh, you know, I warned you guys this morning that we don't prepare questions in advance and we will talk about anything. And I have to start with something that's come to my attention and it's very important to discuss. Now, Tim is Bethany's son and is vice president of the company. And Tim, you are married, correct? I am. I am. You have <laughs> a lovely <laughs> wife, Absolutely right? That. Yeah, lovely wife. I do. Yeah. yeah. Any kids? She's in the next room, so yeah, of course. <laughs> one, one, one kid. One child? Yeah. One kid, yes. Well, yes. why is it yeah. that Bethany keeps posting these pictures that look like absolute model shots of you all over her social media, and it looks like she's trying to pimp you out, is really what's... I, <laughs> you know, my my wife was asking the same question, so <laughs> I, I don't know, I guess... <laughs> I bet she is. I guess you could say she's she's proud of her boy for whatever reason, but uh, you know that I'm not because he's so cute. They're not horrible so pics, but <laughs> no, he you, likes to mess with no. me. We have a good sense of humor, and uh, you know I'm told through my friends or, or family, I, I start getting razzed via uh, you know text and uh, the you know a screenshot of the, of the picture. So, and I'm just thinking, here we go again, you know. And I know she's at home snickering, so. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, what it is. Well, there's there's a method to my madness. Usually, when I do that, it's because he has um, maybe not called me when he was supposed to call me when he arrived, to tell me he arrived safe somewhere or something like that. And so I'll start thinking about it and think, well, I should just post a really cute picture of it. But truly, our equiderma, um, our equiderma customers love it when I post pictures of it. Yeah, because they're all we're women. Thinking about yeah, <laughs> what we're thinking about doing a calendar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. That's funny. Can't you picture him in chat? Um, and Tim uh, has enough explaining no, to do at anyway. home. He doesn't need that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, let's let's get let's get back on the topic at hand here a little bit. Um, well, first, I do have a question for you though about working together. My wife and I worked together for a lot of years, and that you know, you obviously have a different relationship. It's not you know husband and wife, but it is mother and son. How, and how does that work? Is it are there t- challenging times? Is it good? I'm going to let Tim answer first this time. Okay. Of course, of course there are challenging times. I think that, you know, if we've said any different, it, it'd be a, a lie. Uh, I think the the longer we have worked together, we've um, come to an understanding and a mutual respect of uh, what each other can do, what each other's strengths are. And uh, when to back off if one of us is a little stressed out and, and know the limitations and, and if one of us are frazzled um, to throttle back. So, you know, in the beginning, there were some uh, more tense times. And as we've worked together over the past year, uh, we've definitely gotten better at it. You know, of course, there's always going to be uh, a situation that may arise here or there, but we've gotten a lot better at a lot better at handling it. And I think that's like that with any relationship. Of course, we had the mother-son relationship, but to bring that to a professional level was a whole new ball game, and uh, we've gotten a lot better at it fast. So, yeah, it's, there's some challenges, but it's also very rewarding, you know, to step in and start 
helping grow the family business. So any challenges that are coming along with that are well worth it. You know, I, I would say the same thing about my wife and I. You learned you learn over time as you go along that there's just some things you used to get all excited about that aren't that important. And you kind of decide, yeah. I'm going to argue about the important things and let the other things go. <laughs> just There's just so yeah. many trivial yeah. things yeah. that we blow up into these huge things that really the next day don't even matter anymore. Um, and the yeah, recognized sure. strengths, and, yeah. And when you should take a back seat, you know, if it's somebody's strength and you do have an opinion on it, perhaps you know, you just got to say, well, you know, that's kind of her lane. Let's just take a back seat on that, and then she can. She always makes calls, but she'll defer. But you know, if it's something that you're feeling strongly about, you have to realize, well, that's where her talents lie. So let's just roll with it. Now, Bethany, you agree with all that, or is he fired today? <clears throat> <laughs> no, I agree. Not yet. It's, it's really, it's really the best decision I ever made. Last October, I just one day I just said, I, you know, I need some help. And he, you know, Timbo's got a, he's smart as a whip because he takes after his mother, of course. But, um, <laughs> but he's so smart, and he has a, a strong, you know, he has a degree in finance and economics, and so he brings a lot to the table. Just, you know, based on his education and life experience, he's been, you know, his own entrepreneur and and um, has successfully captained his own um, business. So by the time last October, I, I called him and said, Tim, oh, mom needs help, but you got to put some skin in this game, son. So please, you know, come on board with me. So he left what he was doing and came on board with me. And it's been I think, you know, overall, we've had a couple little bumps in the road, um, but not, I think each time it was an opportunity for growth for us to understand each other better. Really, I feel so fortunate because not only is he my VP, but he's my best friend and probably one of the people I, just, I respect most in the whole world. Um, so it's just been for me, I'm just thrilled to death about it. I guess so, Tim will keep getting his paycheck then next week. It looks like you're safe there, Tim, for yeah. another week anyway. I got a wife in here now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I do want to. I, I brought well, that up. My mascara is running. <laughs> I brought that up for a reason. Is because a lot of our listeners do have a situation in owning a farm and running a farm and things where they are working with family, and so they are always we're you know always dealing with that kind of situation. And even if you're not running this, look at Jamie and Chad. Chad's not. You know, Jamie runs the business, but boy, Chad's there and he has opinions on things, right? Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, it, it. No, Glenn, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, he, yesterday, he's like, I'm going to go mow. And I was like, that's great. He's like, where do you want to mow? And I'm like, go this way and do this. <laughs> like, uh, so hey, he has an opinion, but just not always about the farm stuff. <laughs> so I got pretty lucky yeah. there. <laughs> so, well, that, I think for us, um, for us, Equiderma is just such a collaboration with all of us that work here at Equiderma. You know, there's no, there's really not, yes, there's a hierarchy, but it's, it's never really apparent. We are such a collaborative team. And at the end of the day, you know, we do what's right for the business and we get everybody's input and weigh, you know, weigh um, the pros and cons. And, but everybody, you know, it's yeah, whether it's Timbo or I or anybody else on our team, we just we just are just a 
really cohesive group that works well together. And I will I will agree with that. I've known you guys for a long time and 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 worked with a lot of you. So uh, yeah, I will totally agree with that. I think I, I yeah. see that from the outside looking in too. You know, Equiderma started out of a need. You uh, and a lot of our listeners may not know this. You had an animal rescue that you did, and you were dealing with abused and neglected and you know horses with all kinds of problems. And that's really where the products came from, right? Trying to trying to solve those horse problems. Yep, that's right. Um, about 26 years ago, I had a, a training center for hunter, jumper, and dressage, but then I started bringing in abused and neglected animals of all kinds. I mean, all you had to be was kicked around by the world, and you could, you were welcome to come to our rescue. We had a nonprofit there also. And so I, you know, having one horse here and there, I was used to products that didn't work, and as horse people, we're so used to it. We're so trained, you know, that if something doesn't do what it's supposed to do, that's okay. It's normal. But when I had 35 animals in my care that all had wounds or skin problems or, you know, all manner of terrible things going on, I just said, I think I can do better and um, started with our skin lotion, sitting on a five-gallon bucket out in the barn with a six-pack of beer and mixed it up and put it on a horse with with with, with <laughs> was the skin lotion skin made with the beer or were you made with the beer which one was <laughs> <laughs> i was out in the barn listening to crickets and, and watching this horse rub down my stall walls because her skin was so inflamed and itchy and sitting there by myself and mixed it up and poured it on her and that's that's where this all started long long time ago and timbo was a little boy back in those days and was right there alongside of me in the barn and i'm sure that he he made lots of bathtubs, equiderma skin lotion with me in the beginning. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's quite a story, and, and and really, I look back on the past twenty six years of the new products we've brought to market, and all the horses we've been able to help, and all the rescues we continue to help. And I still have a rescue at my home, so um, I live with lots of four legged critters. But um, well, it's just such a labor of love, and I just feel really honored to be the captain of this ship. I think one of the things, too, that makes Equiderma a little different is your, you know, we, in the podcast world, we talk about building a community and, you know, the Horse Radio Network, we built a, a really cool community around the podcasts. And we talk a lot about uh-huh. that in the business world, obviously building the community, but you guys really have built a community. There are, you know, Equiderma users are rabid Equiderma users, and you, you have a lot of people involved in the Equiderma brand that are out promoting it, a lot of ambassadors, more than most other yeah. companies your size, I think. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we it's crazy. We've got a 99% uh, five-star review across all channels on the internet, and and I, I, it is almost, it's like a family for us. But, you know, I think it's because we did start so grassroots and we built and built and built. And really, for up until a couple of years ago, it was word of mouth that grew Equiderma. We really didn't do any advertising. And and um, now we do, of course. We've, we've grown tremendously over the past three or four years. But, but yeah, it, it is a very... Um, you know, it's a tight knit community with with us, and you know, in the horse world, it is anyway. But I think you know, we really—I I don't mean to sound all sappy, but we really do care about our customers, and we absolutely care about helping their animals. That's where this all started. You know, um, we are a company with lots of heart and soul. Let's say that, and, uh, That's and it. I just—I—I'm so thankful for for the people that have supported us along the way. Tim, do you ride? Or did you ride? 
I did ride younger. I haven't, I haven't in a while. My last uh, encounter with riding was less than pre- pleasurable. I hadn't ridden in a while and I was sore for a couple of days and I, I have a, a neck <laughs> injury and a shoulder injury. So I, uh, I stick to my own two legs at this point. <laughs> but he you, rides dirt bikes and now, motorcycles. Yeah, I, I uh, heard and that. And that explains the neck injury <laughs> yeah. there. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he so, was a little boy, yeah. I tried to I tried to put him in riding pants and high, in tall boots and get him to jump on horses, and he said, "No, I'm not wearing those clothes. And you can't make me." So we um, <laughs> went around and around about it for a little while, and then I said, "Okay." I I I actually did wear them for a while, and she has some of the pictures on the wall at her house, and I brought some of my uh, <laughs> my military buddies back to the house with me one day, and I still hear about it. So, you know, I, I yeah. have to uh, remove those. <laughs> his breeches and tall boots. You know what? Um, I know you talked about posting some photos of him before the show. I would like to see those, please, if you could post those. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk okay. after the show. <laughs> so, I'll get killed. He'll kill me. Tim, Tim did, yeah. I, did I read, Tim, though, that you're an avid boater, too? Oh, good. I do. Uh, yeah, we. I do love going on the boat fishing, whether it's just being uh, out on the water or, or out in the ocean, I, I absolutely love it. So well, any there's, chance yeah, I like, there's a habit the that's boat. more expensive than horses. There's one thing we can say that probably costs more than horses right there is boating. The fuel bill. So, know. you know, the fuel bill can be pretty, pretty bad. So I make sure we get a couple guys on there and um, they, they help throw in with me. And uh, <laughs> it's just really, it's relaxing to be out on the water. It's a good, it's a good relief from uh, running the business, you know, because as everybody knows, it can get stressful sometimes. So come Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, it's nice to just get out there and, and be with nature. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, compare baseball and fishing. They're both about as boring as the other. Um, so yeah, well, it, it forces it you to relax. If you're good at it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to catch. You know, fishing can be very boring and, until you're putting fish in the boat. And, uh, yeah. the, whole de- <laughs> the whole demeanor of the boat changes. You know, we took we took uh, mom out uh, about a month ago during snapper season, and she caught a, a very nice sized snapper, and uh, the she had a great day. day. So, yeah, yeah, she did. Well, we told her that anyway. So, um, ah! I'm kidding, but <laughs> it, you're, you're right. Grounded. It can be very boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate you being here today. And, and, you know, it is fun for listeners to have really put some voices to the companies that they're buying products from. And you guys do such a tremendous job. You've done it for a long time. It really was grassroots. It's what we like about it. It was, you know, it's been a family business since it started and it continues to be that way. So thank you so much for, for one being part of the horse radio network and for continue and scooter. Thanks you too, my hackney pony, because he's never been so soft and shiny as he is now. I I, Uh, I do want to say, you're welcome. I want to say, I just can't, express how much I love these products. I would never received, uh, I'd never tried them until you guys became a sponsor and the, I, I'm, I'm blown away. Of course I start fostering this X racehorse and put him on my pasture and he gets scratches, you know, immediately started getting scabbed. The zinc oxide paste is amazing. I had another horse oh. get a, like took the skin off his nose and, and that's the wound ointment. I mean, it's just great stuff. And again, it's things that I can put on my 
hands and rub on the horses and I don't have to worry about having gloves on. You know, like I say, when I'm done with the wound ointment, putting it on, I rub it into my cuticles, you know, like it's just such a great thing. We adore the wound ointment and I use it every day at the farm. I'm so thankful for it every day. Yeah, you guys have done just such a great job and I'm just in love with the products and I would just suggest anybody keep that in your tack box. All that other cancerous stuff, you guys are just, y'all have just done such an amazing (laughs) job with your products. Oh, you're so awesome. that's why they're successful. Yeah, that means so much to us. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon. All right, have a great day. Love you guys. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much to everybody for being here. We really appreciate you stopping by today. We're going to have a post-show here for the auditors. So, hey, I want to talk baseball a little bit with you, actually. What? I know. Well, okay, it's kind I'm of a, ready. It's kind of a negative, so don't get all excited. Oh, uh, here's, my, here's my surprise face. <laughs> So we'll do that in the post show today. If you want to become an auditor, just go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner for as little as $3 a month. You too can get all the exclusive stuff that over 500 auditors have now. Uh, and uh, we're going to, as I said, I want to remind everybody 7.30 tonight is the WTF special auditor show. And uh, it's an advice show. We give you advice on everything but horses. This is life stuff that we give you advice on. We're talking about weddings tonight. There's somebody that asked a question about having their horses involved in the wedding. And, of course, we all have strong opinions on that. You have strong opinions. I do. You do, too. I don't think I'm as crazy about it as you are because I get it, uh, wanting to use your horse in your wedding. Whether or not I would have had anybody capable of holding my horse or participating, (laughs) no. (laughs) So... Is that all right? Thanks, everybody. Talk to you again tomorrow. All right, Spay Neuter Geld. You have one job. 